be prepared, which I think we've done a great job of doing, get your board right, and then uh, be prepared to make some good, quick decisions. And uh, we've got good people in the room that, that do that. With the ninth pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Tyron Smith, offensive tackle, USC. With the 16th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Zach Martin, guard, Notre Dame. So instead of bringing in somebody that could potentially supplant Tony Romo, they bring in somebody to make sure nobody plants Tony Romo. Zach Martin is the choice. The Washington Redskins have traded the 34th pick to the Dallas Cowboys. With the 34th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Demarcus Lawrence, defensive end, Boise State. With the fourth pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Ezekiel Elliott, running back, Ohio State. Our Dallas Cowboys select Dak Prescott, uh -huh. quarterback, nice. uh -huh. Mississippi State. Uh -huh. well, Go Cowboys! Why. Please welcome the University of Tulsa wide receiver Drew Pearson. I want to thank the Eagle fans for allowing me to have a career in the NFL. Thank you. And on behalf of the five-time world champion Dallas Cowboys, Hall of Fame owner Jerry Jones, Team Jones and the Jones family, all the Cowboy players that played before me, that played with me, and played after me. How about them Cowboys? The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Indeed. We're just hours away from the 2020 NFL Draft to be officially open, virtually, as coaches, owners, and GMs across the league put the fate of their franchises on the line on their own ability to use Zoom. We'll be here to cover it all in The Athletic, so welcome back in to a pre-draft edition of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, the uh, Phil Jackson of the podcast here, just... Sitting back as I watch this greatness unfold before me and take all the credit for it. So remember, you can follow along all of our award-winning NFL, NBA, NHL, Premier League coverage, and more at The Athletic by becoming a member. Get 40% off at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys, and that rounds out to about $3 per month. So delay that tax refund, delay turning that thing in, and cash in that stimulus check and become a member permanently of The Athletic for the next year. And remember, you can download Dane Brugler's 2020 Draft Guide, which we'll mention multiple times in this episode, I'm sure, at The Athletic, exclusively at The Athletic. It's a PDF download. You want to get that just in time for the draft so that you know everything about every pick. So again, it's theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys for 40% off. So now, we're going to welcome in our starting lineup. First, we're welcoming back to the show again, the beat writer of every local team here on Dallas, I'm not sure of his height or his school, but uh, he just tried out for the Mavs man. So I'm excited to read that long-form article. I would say he's the Steve Kerr of the podcast because, you know, he's always providing clutch minutes off the bench and bailing us out. And um, all he does is win. It's Saad Yusuf. Hey, Saad, how are you? 
that is the highest compliment that you can pay me saying that I'm the Steve Kerr because um, as we saw yesterday, there is only one human being who has three championships as a coach and a player, and that is Steve Kerr. So I like mm. to think that um, all I do is win. So Exactly, exactly. I, when I thought of who I should compare you to, he was the first person that came to mind. But, you know, let me know and we can negotiate, I guess, your comparison by the end of the show if, if you feel more comfortable. And at six foot one, the power forward from Florida State University. I would say he's the Michael Jordan of the podcast because let's face it, <laughs> None of us are anything without this guy. He's the GOAT of all things Cowboys. It's Father John Mishota. Howdy, John. How are you? I'm good, man. That That's, yeah, you can't get any better compliment than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sod's like, <laughs> that's the best compliment. I'm like, are you sure, Sod? Uh, yeah. You know, what's, you know what's funny about that is when I was watching the documentary, that, that's one of the things that came across my mind is like how often people would say like, if, you, if you're really good at something, you're the Michael Jordan of whatever you are. It doesn't matter if like, you're a great doctor or a great <laughs> lawyer, like whatever, you're the Michael Jordan or something. Like, there really isn't a higher compliment you can pay than that. So thanks. Exactly. Exactly, man. Uh, what'd you think of the, the first few episodes of The Last Dance? Amazing. Because I already mm-hmm. set the bar really high and it exceeded it. And wow. I will say my, my favorite parts about it were the Michael Jordan uh, kind of giving it to Jerry Krause. I mean, <laughs> he swore in there, and, and I thought it was cool that ESPN left all of that in there because they typically don't have that stuff. So it felt like you were watching almost on Netflix, minus the fact that there were commercials. But, um, but yeah, I, I, it's like him swearing. I, I Obviously, every pro athlete's going to do that. So that didn't do a ton for me. But him going at Jerry Krause and taking the jabs at him about having to lower the rim for him to get in the layup line and stuff like that, like <laughs> that was interesting to me because that's stuff that you really never saw. I mean, Michael Jordan had a pretty clean image you know he didn't really jump in on any uh political stuff and and he kind of kept you know very uh you know to the on brand you know and and you just never really saw a lot of that behind the scenes stuff and so yeah i'm pretty excited if that's how they're starting it uh you know and then just the fact that like you're starting it right off the bat and you get you know he got isaiah and magic and larry and then you get bill clinton and barack obama i mean just wild i like how barack's subtitle was former chicago resident (laughs) <laughs> no, like, you know, okay, so all my, the <laughs> my, my younger brother is a big Chicago Bulls fan, and he mentioned something to me about that, and he was kind of like, I can't believe they didn't put, like, you know, former president of the United States. Well, everybody knows like, that, though. I yeah, understand But everybody it, knows but it's it. just like, yeah, he is the Michael Jordan. Like, like you, mm-hmm. like if they do a, a documentary like this on LeBron James 20 years from now, like, you're not going to have to write anything other than Michael Jordan. Like, you're not going to have to put, like, former NBA all-star. Like, everybody knows who he is, you know? That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, so, something that blew my mind too is, I think it was the owner saying, "When we drafted him, we didn't know how good he was," <laughs> and that that's funny to me. They're just like, "Well, nobody did," because if you knew yeah. he, how oh, good yeah. he was, you, you wouldn't like you would have taken him over Akeem if you knew he was the he was going to bring you six titles, he, right? But at the same time, oh, yeah, like it was funny at uh you know the first pra- first day of the first practice they were like holy crap <laughs> you know they're like uh wow <laughs> and um you know it obviously became what he became but gosh will bond I'm telling you time time passes and but one thing that always stand out to me is you look back on that and you're just like how did they how did he play 3 years in college and not like go to three final fours and win like mm-hmm. two or three national titles like they lost in a sweet 16 his junior year and a lot of people like forget about it cuz it's whatever 1984 so it's kind of whatever but like it's crazy to think that that guy lost in college and then just stepped in the NBA and was literally going toe to toe with Larry Bird in his prime against what Larry Bird said was the best Celtics team ever yeah it's amazing man Wilbon had a great quote when he said there's only 
three athletes of that generation that can compare. It's Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. I was like, that is a great statement because you just it, he's like a god. You know, it's it's unrelatable on anything. And, and LeBron will always be in the shadow of MJ. I don't care how good he is, how many championships he wins. There is only one MJ, you know, and uh, man, it's been good. Let's bring in our host, Kevin KT Turner, who's going to lead us through this mock draft. This is going to be a fun mock draft. And I would say, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're the Dennis Rodman of the podcast because we never know what's going to come out of your mouth. And you've got like 12 facial piercings, too. Yeah, and and ladies call me the worm. And you you sometimes like to wear wedding dresses. Um, So, you know, that was... (laughs) When, it, when I combined facial piercings with wedding dresses, I was like, well, that's Dennis Rodman. That's KT. That's who, that's who he is. I was going to say Scottie Pippen, but after, after Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan, I didn't want to insult you, even though Scottie Pippen was, as we know, pivotal of them winning those championships. But I was going to say, you're my right-hand man. You're my Scottie Pippen, KT. It might be kind of a different era right now with the quarantine going on. I'm kind of a Bill Winnington with my beard and hair getting just real long. I'm turning into a grizzly bear. But I'll take Dennis Rodman as he was a, a, you know, probably a better player overall than Bill Winnington was. But, you know, if I need to be your Luke Longley, I'll do it. I'm a team player. Definitely the most entertaining bull of that era. Okay. Um, You know what? I think that bull on the Bugs Bunny cartoons, it was always charging the guy ah. with the red thing. That Yeah. No, Space whatever. Jam, you mean? Bull and Bugs uh, Bunny? No. You know, Space Jam, okay, <laughs> off-air conversation for you guys here in a little bit. No, um, bring it on. Bring it on air. Come on. No, it's too it's too edgy. Okay, all right. All right. But what did you, uh, did you watch? Afterwards, I've got a real question. Did you watch about, The Last Dance, KT, though? Um, guys, I regret to inform you that I did not. I saw one segment of it on TV, and I didn't feel like sitting through the commercials because I haven't recorded anyway. Ah. And I'm going to have time. But tonight is the season finale of Better Call Saul. So mm. that's going to have my attention tonight. So I think Tuesday night I've kind of circled on the calendar. My I'm going to crank out those two hours of the Bulls documentary. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, you've got a week. You're good. you got a week. You know, as long as I get it done before the draft. Boom. Um, so here we go. Mock draft time, because we are knocking on the draft's door. Uh, we're knocking on the door of Goodell's basement. We're almost there. Um, we've all done a seven-round Cowboys mock draft. The Cowboys have picks in the first four rounds, two picks in the fifth round. They're going to sit the sixth out unless they make a trade, and then they'll have a pick in the seventh. And we've all done a seven-round mock draft, going through some realistic scenarios, or as least as realistic as we think we can kind of make it. And just uh, for the sake of having a good discussion, and uh, as close as we are, I think it's very good to share. You know what we've got. We did an episode like this about a month ago. It was very popular. I think a lot of people liked it, and uh, look, people love mock drafts. So let's start out with Father John Mashoda. You're on the clock at pick 17 for the Dallas Cowboys. Who did you come up with, sir? So this is the scenario that I could potentially see happening on Thursday, and that's the fact that you get to 17 and. Uh, right before I picked, Javon Kinlaw went to the Falcons. Uh, and then also, C.J. Henderson and Caleb Von Chason both went in the top 10. So all of my defensive targets are gone. And so just staring me in the face, just the best player available by far is Jerry Judy. And so I drafted Jerry Judy because we weren't doing any tradebacks. But I can I can say if... The Cowboys are facing this scenario. I could see them potentially looking to trade back. I just, I really don't believe they're going to take a wide receiver, even if Judy or CeeDee Lamb are there. 
I think that they would prefer to trade back, gain some extra picks, and then maybe in the later or to mid twenties in the first round, then maybe they take a corner like Christian Fulton or uh, you know maybe an edge rusher like Eater Gross Matos or something like that. But uh, for this exercise, Jerry Judy by far the best player available. So I got the Cowboys. What might be the best wide receiver in the draft? If put in that situation, we'll start with you, Saad, and then and then I want to hear from you, John. If put in that situation, your defensive targets dry out, you can't move back. Do you guys think the Cowboys should take a wide receiver? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I I just think the wide receiver draft is so deep that you can get someone later in the draft, and so. I, I would say I, I would still try to say either you get the best defender that's available if that's someone that's on your board or like John said, uh, just to trade back and uh, and see what you can still get a defender there, but also accumulate a few more draft picks. I, Jerry Judy is is hard to pass up, but I kind of go back to the fact that, you know, where is that wide receiver going to fit in the offense and like, you know, what option is he going to be? Uh, for the offense, which I think at best you're thinking he's the fourth option on, on the offense and at worst, maybe like the sixth. And so because of that, I would still say trade back or, and still get a defender. Or if you have someone like, you know, someone that you like, whether it's a CJ Henderson, a chase on or whatever at 17, then you get him. I personally wouldn't. And I don't think the Cowboys would take a wide receiver there either. I think they would take what would most likely be the next best corner whether that's A.J. Terrell from Clemson or Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, uh, I think that they would look more in that direction. I don't see them taking a safety there, even if both of the top safeties are still there. Um, so I really feel like it's going to be an edge rusher or corner. And so if that's the case, I don't, I don't think they'd take Jerry Judy. I, I think that they would take a corner. Who is right now their third wide receiver on the depth chart? I would say Blake Jarwin. Uh, Cedric Wilson. Maybe? Is it Cedric Wilson? Is that? Uh, it's just kind of thinking in my head. I mean, Tavon's gone. Cobb's gone. It probably is. This yeah, is where but, I'm. But I, see, I that's understand. that's kind of where I go back. Where it's like, how do you define receiver? Are you talking receiving option or wide receiver? Because you know, receiving option, I, I do think it's going to be Blake Jarwin. Um, but wide receiver, yeah, probably Cedric Wilson. But you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know get a wide receiver on there uh, on especially if Tony Pollard develops into something or something like that so that's where kind of I fall on that I think that's a fair point I guess what I would say is they're going to be an 11 personnel most of the time uh one running back one tight end and three wide receivers I do not have a problem at all with them pulling the the trigger on a wide receiver at 17 if it's Judy if it's Ruggs if it's CeeDee Lamb, and, and for the sake of it, I have CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, quite a bit ahead of Ruggs, and then Ruggs right there. But if it's those three guys, and you could maybe talk me into Justin Jefferson as well. Um, if you could, if it's those three guys, why not, I guess is what I would say. I understand the depth of the wide receiver draft, but I would also say, what happens if Amari Cooper gets hurt or Michael Gallup gets hurt or your rookie wide receiver gets hurt? I think you could take another wide receiver in the fourth round or fifth round and and kind of help you, yourself out there. But I think with you know Cobb gone and Tavon gone, I mean, this depth chart is not really excellent all the way back. Um, so I, I, I'm, I don't think it's crazy to add two wide receivers to the mix here. I don't I don't think that's nuts at all. So that, 
If, if you dry out defensively, and again, I want to be clear, I want them to attack the defense if they can. I really do. I want them to really help get a defender, uh, you know, at 17. But if, if you dry out and you can't move back, I think we talk about trading back like it's something that, like, is easy to do. It's not, and it's going to be harder to do more than any year in the history of the NFL draft this year. It's going to be more difficult to trade back. So, like, I – I'm I'm on board. If Jerry Judy's there at 17, I think you got to take him. I'm what wondering I'm wondering how what the fan base would do if Jerry Judy was sitting there and they took let's say it's Jeff Gladney from TCU, the cornerback. And, and Jerry Judy's still bigs. out there? Yeah, Jerry Judy's on the on, well, on they're the gonna table. They're going to lose their mind and they're going to boo. <laughs> I know. But we're not going to hear it cuz they're going to be at home. That's true. That's a good point. I would say I would say rightly so because Jerry Judy, you know, at least for me, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Jerry Judy is graded way higher than Christian Fulton or you know AJ Terrell, who they could end up with or whatever. I mean, so like I just, I mean, I still you start playing with dangerous waters in the first round if you start taking a guy. That's significant, uh, significantly graded lower than who you might take. And again, it all depends on what happens, you know, but still interesting conversation there. So Jerry Judy and John Machota's round one mock draft. Let's go to Saad. Who do you got with the Cowboys at 17? Well, I didn't have that problem because Judy went earlier. I think he went f- like four or five picks before I was picking. So I didn't have Judy and I didn't have CJ Henderson either who went um, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So my option there, um, it, it was it was pretty easy for me. Um, Chase on was there. So um, I, and that's a guy that I've taken in, in a lot of the mock drafts that John and I have done on the athletic. And so, you know, I uh, took Chase on. Yeah, I think probably, and I, you know, obviously it's smokescreen season, but I think if you probably were in the walls of the star, well, they're all at home, I guess. But if you're in the walls of the decision makers of the Cowboys, I think that's their big hope is chase on. And you know, I've kind of changed how I felt. I think if you asked me three days ago how I felt about chase on being there, I'd say, you know what, I don't think he's going to be there. But, uh, you know, just kind of looking around, you know, obviously I followed Dane. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah is a guy who I've seen in the past, like he'll, he'll, he, and he said this, he's been on the record about this before. Like I've added people to my top 50 before the draft because I had just heard they were going to be taken. And his example was Lions offensive lineman, Frank Ragnow. He was like, I didn't have him in my top 50, but I put him in my top 50 because I'd talked to enough sources that said he's going to be going. And today Jeremiah had a tweet about Austin Jackson going in the top 15. And I was like, well, there's another name. Austin Jackson's the offensive tackle from USC. It's like there's another name that could go in the top 16 and push Chase on down. So I I think it's – I think it's – I feel better about Chase on being there at 17 than maybe it is. Still, if I was going to put Vegas money on it, I would say no, that he's not there. But I feel better about it now than than I did two days ago. I'll I'll put it that way. If we could trade up in in this scenario that we did, because Saad and I have done – a trade-up scenario draft. I, I And I, if I could have moved up just a couple picks if he was still out there and had to give up like a next year's third rounder, I would have done that just to get Caleb on chase on because I just, I think he just fills a need. They like him. It just makes too much sense. And and just with the compensatory picks the Cowboys are going to get next year, I think you could, I think you can make a move like that. I'm not trying to get rid of any picks this year. I want I want at least seven picks made this year, 
But if but if some team was like, hey, do you want to come up here two, three spots, get make sure you get in front of the Falcons, I'd have some interest in doing that. Yeah, you know, with Chase on two, I, I hear a lot of people talk about him. Go, oh, it's a boomer bust prospect, and I like. Well, like Leighton Vander Esch was a boomer bust prospect. You know, um, drafting Jalen Smith at thirty four is a boomer bust situation. You know, like there are very few sure things in this world. And when it comes to you know rushing the passer, I know they want help at cornerback, but you know, for me personally, Chase on graded higher than the names we're talking about it. The other corners, Trevon Diggs. A.J. Terrell, Christian Fulton, Jalen Johnson, I think, could be in the mix from Utah in the first round. I said Chase on grade higher. I think you're really betting on him and what he turns into. And I think he is a very projectable player. Uh, good character by by all means. Length off the edge. He's a better run player than people will give him credit for. Production, not quite there, but if you watch the tape, he's all over it and around the ball. Like, it's just... To me, a chase on is the type of guy who, if if he's there at seventeen, you're kind of high fiving and going, okay, cool. And maybe you know, you you still may have have nervous. You you wish it was a little bit more of a sure thing, but you know, there are very few sure things. So that's uh, way I kind of look at that. Um, let's go to Kent. Kent, who do you have at seventeen, round one? Yeah, I've been uh, producing prospects to pros with with Dame Brugler and Chris Burke ever since August. When we've been talking about these players and the closer we get to the draft Dane has emphasized if CJ Henderson or Chase on is there Dallas is picking one of those players uh, but yeah. none of the mocks that I've participated in have had them there uh, it, Chase on went as early as four to the Giants in this most recent mock that I did and Henderson has been a consistent like from picks eight to 13 kind of guy so I don't think either of those guys are going to be there, but he said if they're not there, then look at this Alabama secondary. And if you do that, you're looking at Trevon Diggs, the corner, or Xavier McKinney, the safety. I've not known Will McClay to value the safety position at all. And, um, you know, maybe with this new coaching staff, that changes. So I think this wide receiver class is, is pretty deep, like Saad emphasized earlier. So if I'm looking for a quality receiver, I probably can get one a little bit later. So. We lost Byron Jones, so I'm going to go ahead and get a quality corner with this pick. I'm going Trevon Diggs, the corner from Alabama. Uh, Dane has him as his fourth best corner, and uh, Jeff Gladney slightly ahead of him from TCU. He's a he's a first round grade, uh, maybe a maybe a high two at the at the very worst. He says long tall corner needs to clean up his technique and coverage, but this is what stuck out to me: outstanding ball skills, and he's a kick returner and punt returner in college as well. So. He's a guy that maybe if he gets a pick, he can take it to the house. Uh, he rarely gets beat by receivers. And, you know, I think that's just the way the, the way this draft is kind of scheduled with, in depth-wise. I'd rather take my corner there than later in the draft and try to get a guy that I can project to be a starter. So I feel good about Trevon Diggs uh, at pick 17. He's my fourth-graded cornerback. I have three first-round cornerback grades, Okuda, Jeff Gladney from TCU and then CJ mm-hmm. Henderson yeah. is my third cornerback. I know I'm a little different, but I just love, you know, Gladney's more. He's around the ball more than Henderson is. Is I kind of weighed that into, you know, with Diggs, my my only questions with him. I have two questions: is his long speed? Um, I, I don't think he plays at the speed that he ran at the combine four four two. 
And then I think horizontally, I think he gets off balance a lot. So he gets caught guessing, guessing. And, you know, I'm just thinking about those good, nifty wide receivers on the outside. Not that you, have, you really have a lot of those in the division. The Giants and the, the Eagles don't really have a wide receiver. Really, no team in your division has a wide receiver one that scares you in the division. But, you know, you go up against the Devontae Adamses and the Adam Thielens and the, um, you know, the Amari Coopers of the world, the wide receiver ones of the world. Those nifty route runners, I think, are going to give him trouble because he's kind of on skates sometimes. Uh, and that makes me a little nervous. But, you know, a lot of people with Trevon Diggs, they point to the LSU game where Jamar Chase just punked him for 133 yards. But, man, if you really, on his old resume, he never gave up more than 45 yards in a game. Um, there are some immaturity questions with him. Um, but, you know, I think he's, with Stephon Diggs, his older brother being in the league, I'm, I think you'll learn from things like that and probably know how to be a pro. So uh, I, I I like Diggs. I like Diggs at pick 27. You know, that's kind of like, yep. I, and I think that's probably where I think it, a lot of Cowboy fans are. It'd be great, but sometimes your hands are tied. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Diggs is the pick. Would you guys? I wouldn't. Um I w- but I agree with you. I would want to trade back a little bit if that was the case. I don't know. Taking him or Terrell, who obviously played against Jamar Chase and didn't fare that well in the national yeah. title game either. Same. Um, <laughs> but but if either of them are the guy or Christian Fulton or Gladney or whatever, like I don't have a problem with them drafting him in the first round. But it just you'd think that hey, why don't you move back about five or six spots? Yeah. You know, gain something else. That's good. And then take whoever's the best available out of that group there, and then. I just uh, that makes a lot more sense to me than just sitting there and saying this is the guy we have at seventeen. We're taking him. Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm trading back. I'm not getting out of this first round though. There's no way. I'm yeah. Maybe pick twenty five, something like that. You pick up a couple extra picks, and yeah. take and take digs or um, maybe Gladney's still there. Um, but yeah, I feel good about about cornerback if that defensive end Chase on's off the board, which it seems very likely that he will be. That's where you know Jordan Love could hurt or help the Cowboys. Like you could in your mind, you go, "Oh, four quarterbacks go before six. But you know, if he's still on the board, and you're a team who might need to develop someone, Patriots, Saints, you know, even the Packers have been uh, thirty have been like rumored to maybe want to look towards the future a little bit. The the Steelers are a team. Well, the Steelers traded their pick, I guess, for uh, so that's not going to happen. But like you think about those teams who are kind of in there might want to develop someone. If Jordan Love does happen to still be on the board. That's that's how your trade down works, I think. I think there's so many offensive tackles. It's a good thing that those tackles could be drafted before the Cowboys pick at 17. But there might be a lot of teams who, who are in there in the 20s going, well, I kind of like these other guys in the second tier. I think they'll get to me. I don't think I need to dra- uh, trade up to get a you know tackle. So I, I think that's the bit, that's going to be the fun conversation Thursday night is what the Cowboys are able to do on the clock if their guys are gone. and. Uh, it's just harder to trade. I think this year, I think communication is going to be a little shoddy. Um, I have AJ Terrell for me first round. Uh, AJ Terrell for me personally, guys, is my sixth rated corner. I'm not a huge fan personally. Uh, at 17, I think kind of a 35 range for me. But I put him in there in the mock because I had dried up, and there's just enough whispers going around about AJ Terrell to make me go. Okay, let's go ahead and put that in there and just kind of see what happens. I think that could give us a realistic idea. Good length. You know, that's I think people are going to be enamored by the guy that he's 6'1 and 195 and he's got pretty long arms. And But, man, I, I just think there's there's a situation with him 
His play speed is not great. The Jamar Chase game, Jamar Chase is going to torch a lot of people. But, you know, I have tackling issues as well. Trevon Diggs always tried to tackle, you know. Uh, Terrell missed 25% of his tackles. Um, and I, I remember I always go back to the Belichick and Saban documentary on HBO. And just talk about what's the one thing you look for in a player on defense. And then that, they like simultaneously, can he tackle? Well, A.J. Terrell can't tackle. Um, he tries, but he can't tackle very well. And I, I think he's going to get flagged. I think he's grabby. I just think there's a lot going on with him in the middle of routes that makes me nervous. But I it put sounds him in like there you're not happy with your pick. No, no, I hate it. And this is why, dude, this is what I think is going to happen. This is what I think is going to happen Thursday night. I think they're going to draft A.J. Terrell. And that's where I kind of go, ugh. I think nothing going to be Chase on if he's there. But I think they're going to draft A.J. Terrell. Um, and I don't know anything, but I think – I mean, I, I, I'm confident they like digs over Fulton. And look, I have A.J. Terrell graded higher than Fulton. So let's just get that out of the way too. I think they like A.J. Terrell. And I think that's your pick at 17 Thursday night. If you were asking me right now as we record this on Monday night, I would tell you A.J. Terrell is going to be the pick. And that's why I put him in my mock at round one right there. So If, if that was the case, I think I would go with Caleb on Chase, hon. Like, I don't know why. I don't know if he's going to be there at 17. But if if I'm saying right now I got to predict one player in this draft that's going to be going to the Cowboys in the first round, I think I'd go Chase, hon. All right. I hope you're right because I think that's a good pick. Um. All right. You guys ready to get nasty with round two? Let's do it. Boom. Yeah. Let's go to Father John. What do you got for me, Father John? You took Jerry Judy in round one, and I like you for that. <laughs> I'm just loading up on Alabama over here. I just we don't need to get too much into Trayvon Diggs, but he just he was clearly the best player still available. And uh you know, the Cowboys need corners and this guy's six one, six two, long corner brother that's obviously in the NFL. Uh, you know, he had three interceptions last year for Bama. I think he had seven or eight pass deflections, you know, a couple fumble recoveries thing. I just, for this part of the draft, I'm trying to get a corner by far the best corner that was available for me. Actually, it was by far the best prospect that was available. So this was an easy pick for me. Man, Trevon Diggs at 51 tastes way better than Trevon Diggs at 17. And, and real quick, just to piggyback off of that, uh, for me also, number 51, I took Trevon Diggs, the corner. And so um, he was by far the best player available, not just corner, not just defender. Um, it wasn't really even that – it really wasn't close. And, you know, just – when I when I sent my mock draft to Kent, his his uh, his reply was, "Oh wow!" And so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think you know. Again, uh, you know, when you said you you like Diggs at twenty seven, in my mind, I was like, "Well, I, you know, at fifty one, man, I think Diggs would be a steal." Do I think that he's going to be there? I don't. I I don't think that he'll still be there at fifty one. I think I don't think he gets past the forties if at the latest. But if he's there at 51, you absolutely have to take him, I think. Yeah, you, you get Jason and Diggs. <laughs> I'm good with oh, that. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, you're talking about, uh, you know, a need on defense, man. I think that's that'd be, what, I don't know, a home run for this team if they came out of there with Jason and Diggs, their first two picks, and then, you know, draft for skills after that. I will say this, Kent, before we get to your second-round pick. You know, Okuda and Henderson is kind of what the world thinks is going to happen in the top 10 to 15. But then it's like, when does that run on Gladney, Diggs, yeah. Fulton, Terrell, Jalen Johnson? Uh, where does that go? And then, and then like, at what time does that happen? Because 
you know, I, I don't think it's realistic that he's there at 51, but what if teams think less of Trevon Diggs than maybe we do and he's the eighth quarterback taken? You start telling me he's the seventh or eighth quarterback taken, well, then 51 is kind of a good range. Yeah. So, you know, maybe some hope for Cowboys fans if you're into that because I think, I think that's excellent value at 51. So, um, so Kent, you had Trevon Diggs in the first round. Who is your second round yeah, selection? Yeah, well, I did do a mock where I took Gladney at 17 and that mock was way kinder to me in the later rounds nice so you wonder you know how they kind of have have um I don't know, structured this thing out and tested themselves but yeah and i wanted a cornerback and and felt good about Diggs there and i think gladney might have been taken because Diggs was the best cornerback on the board at that time when i when i took him so i went ahead and took him but i feel good about this next pick uh going wide receiver here feel really good about this player. This is Dane's eighth best wide receiver. He's got a second ground grade on him. It's, uh, I don't know pronounce his name, LaVisca Chenault Jr. from Colorado. And lower body strength, he's hard to tackle, good experience, good awareness, deceptive route speed. And here's another, you know, here's something that uh, stuck out to me in terms of what the Cowboys are looking for. Thrives in the middle of the field. And you, we need a guy that can get in there and and take shots across the middle. We're talking about who that third wide receiver is. I feel like if you get Lavisca uh, Chenault, that he'd probably day one be that third wide receiver for you in the middle of the field. And that has ability to play the outside too. Definitely playing the outside before and, you know, can be a kind of a rangy player uh, with – with uh, some ball skills, if he needs to be, so felt felt really good about that. He was he was by far the best receiver on the board at at fifty one, and you know not much separates him from that that really elite tier, the the Jalen Ragers, the uh, the Henry Ruggses of the uh, of the draft. So yeah, Chenault is my fifty one pick. Yeah, DeSoto High School guy right yeah. there. Um, you know, as a sophomore in twenty eighteen, he averaged ten catches a game, and he was the go to guy. And look, the thing I would say about him, there's two big questions for me. One is injury history. I mean, he's a banged up guy. He had a toe injury. He had a torn labrum. Um, he's always kind of been banged up in college. And then he's not your classic separator, but he's a guy who can line up anywhere. Slot, outside, they would hand him the ball. They would direct snap it to him. I mean, he is uh, kind of everywhere. And I think with Mike McCarthy, I think you will see a little bit of added creativity to the offense along with Kellen and what he's dealing with. Maybe Kellen won't have as many pushbacks as he might have had last year. So Chenault's perfect for a guy to come in and maybe take over that Randall Cobb role and just kind of you know do a little bit of everything, but also a very competitive, very good wide receiver who can win downfield a little better because uh, he's a big guy. He's 6'2", 225. So uh, I love that pick at 51. I think Chenault, you know, if he's still there, you get you got to pounce at wide receiver. They they need a third wide receiver on this football team. Would you guys agree? Yeah, but everybody has been saying for months that it's the, by far the deepest position, and I think you have a very good one and a very good two. And so if I'm in whatever third fourth yeah. round and I can get like a Lynn Bowden or something like that, like okay, well then I'll yeah. add somebody Devin Duvernay. Like I just feel like there's I, if yep. their first two if, okay, like this is the way I should put it. If it was a couple years ago and their top two receivers were like Terrence Williams and Alan Hearns, then you're like, well, yeah, they need to attack this at 17. And if they don't get one at 17, it has to be in the second. Like they need to add a receiver, no doubt. But like, I think they can come away with some good value at the position with one of those two fifth round picks. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel too. 
Uh, second round for me, guys. I took AJ Terrell in round one. Round two, Jeremy Chin's on the board. Kyle Duggar, the safety's on the board. Ashton Davis, the safety from California, is on the board. But I end up taking Curtis Weaver, the edge from Boise State. I, I just think that need at edge is going to force them to make some decisions early in the draft. And at the, in my scenario where Chase Hunt's off the board, maybe 51's the spot for him. So Curtis Weaver from Boise State, highly productive guy, Curtis Weaver. Um, you know, has a has a good track record of getting to the quarterback in a lot of sacks. I think a lot of people would say, well, it's competition. But, look, these are these are big-time numbers here. 11, 9.5, and then 13.5 sacks over the last three years. I mean, just a college career of full productivity, relentless, good motor, good hands. Was working out here locally as well, so maybe they have some little connections, you know, a little further uh, than, than just, uh, you know, here with Skype a guy. You know, maybe this goes back a little longer. Uh, Curtis Weavers, who I have, not the most bendy guy, not the most, you know, pure, like, you know, speed, get around the corner. I mean, he's kind of, kind of a power player, you know, but I think he does a really good job of collapsing the pocket and getting there. And at 51, I'm okay with Curtis Weaver. And they've got that Boise State track record. So that's my pick in round two because – Look, I think they're going edge at some point in the first three rounds. I, I feel like it. I don't think they're relying on Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. I just don't think like that's their, you know, solid game plan. All right, John, so you took Jerry Judy in round one. You took Trevon Diggs in round two. Which Alabama player did you take in round three? <laughs> you know, I was really thinking about it. If there was anyone that really fit the need there, um, but the best players available are clearly defensive players at this point. And so I went with Jonathan Grenard, the edge from Florida. And I might be saying that wrong. I'm, I've been looking for the pronunciation because it obviously is, it's spelt like it looks like it's Greenard, but I believe it's Grenard. At least that's how I've heard others pronounce it. Uh, I just thought it was good value at 82 and edge rusher needs to be addressed at some point within those first three rounds. And uh, in my scenario, like you mentioned, I didn't get Caleb on chase on like I had hoped. And so at this point, I just, I really like that value there. And it, my pick basically came down to him or uh, Jordan Elliott, the, the defensive tackle from Missouri. So mm-hmm. uh, it was close, but it was Grenard, him. And then after that, it was pretty much Troy pride, the corner from Notre Dame, chase Claypool, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other guys that stood out from that group. KJ Hill, the wide receiver from Ohio state. I mean, those are kind of like some of the next guys that go there and, to me, needing an edge rusher, it was kind of an easy pick. Grenard is edge seven for me. You are pronouncing it right, Grenard. Uh, he is edge seven for me. Uh, I have a second-round grade on him. So if you're getting him in round three, to me, that's excellent value. Uh, nine and a half sacks last year at Florida. I, I think he's a very good player. So I, I love that pick right there in round three. I would be doing backflips uh, if I had that flexibility to do that hypothetically. I would be doing backflips if they took Grenard in the top 100, because, you know, I, I honestly think he's a guy who probably ends up in the second round, but uh, I also like dangling out some hope there for Cowboys fans. So mark my words, John Mashota did you solid here with Jerry, Judy, Trevon Diggs, and Jonathan Grenard in the top 100. Great job, John. You're doing great work. I appreciate it. I had, um, a lot. I had Grenard as well in the third round uh, here with my pick while we're on the subject. Um, he, Dane had him as a th- as a third round pick. KT, um, he had his has his eighth edge rusher, uh, menacing ball hunter, surprises blockers with his quickness, and something that stuck out to me about Dane's review was immediate contributor to an NFL team. 
is what he thinks is what he's projecting. Yes. Six foot three, 263 pounds, 19 sacks in his career at Florida. And you know, we need disruption. <laughs> You're right. You can't count on Alden Smith and Randy Gregory to be available <laughs> for you. You need guys that can step in there and be productive immediately. And uh, yeah, Grenard seemed like the obvious pick to me too, John. He got hampered in 2018. He got hurt. Um, I forgot what the injury was, but in 2018, he got hurt and blew out his season. Uh, But he had a year before that as well where he put up seven sacks, and then he came back last year and had nine and a half sacks. Um, I mean, he is a – he's a force. And I I don't – I really feel like – you know, you say the world. It really kind of depends who you're following. But I do think the world's kind of – sleeping on him I, I really think he's a guy who deserves to go in round two but you know we'll see we'll see what happens how how feisty people get for edge rushers and things like that he is a really good player so um excellent work so there's between john and ken we're going to get to sod's round three picking a minute but i'm looking at john and kent real quick each of them have trevon diggs just taken at different spots and each of them have jonathan grenard the difference is jerry judy and lavisca chenault and man, if you were going into draft season right now, a lot of people would tell you Chenault had a you know a first round type grade. I think injuries are keeping him second round in depth of the wide receiver class and in general. But uh, you kind of see where, where things are playing out there. Let's go to Saad Youssef. His round three pick. He took Chase on in round one, and he took Diggs in round two. Yeah, and I was really looking forward to taking Michael Pittman Jr. here. That's who I like. Kind of had my mind set on, but. Unfortunately, it's well, you know, it's not surprising to me, but it seems like his stock is stock is going up for him. And, and he he came off the board pretty quickly after my 51st pick. Um, so I, I wasn't able to get him. Um, the next guy, like, you know, I, I was thinking if I'm going to address wide receiver here. But since I since I didn't have my guy, I went I went ahead and took Terrell, Terrell Burgess, the safety from Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I think he adds depth to the secondary and I think he, obviously it's a position of need for the Cowboys, but I think his versatility, I can see him playing nickel safety, whatever, whatever they need him to kind of in that sense. Um, Utah has a good track record of producing that kind of talent on, on, um, from the backside. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, I went edge rusher number one, then I went cornerback, and and uh, and even though it's the defensive backfield, I, uh, you know, it was my first safety that was available, so Burgess from Utah. I like that pick. I want to get, John, your thoughts here real quick, because Burgess is a safety, but the thing, remember, I, I'll never forget, Leo, talking the way Steven used to talk about Cheeto. Oh, well, he could play some safety if we asked him to, you know, he can do that. And I was like, well, okay, we never, I hadn't asked him to do that yet, but... You know, Terrell Burgess, a guy who can go play in the slot, as Saad just mentioned, he's more versatile than just a safety. I think he's a little more than that. I worry about his size. I worry about his tackling. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people who say he's a reliable tackler, but, man, you start getting big running backs coming downhill at him, it's going to be trouble. I guess my question for you, John, is, like, could you see them be more amenable to a safety if you could say with the caveat, hey, he also plays in the slot and he can help out with the cornerback depth? Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, they obviously are a team that I know it's a new coaching staff, but they showed you with Byron Jones that they'd be willing to move guys around in their secondary. And then, as you mentioned, with Chidobi Awuzie, he's a guy that played every defensive back spot when he was at Colorado. And so, yeah, maybe maybe there is something there where you could potentially move some guys around. I'll just say this. You know, I don't study these prospects, obviously, like, like Dane does or anything like that, but... Um, at some point they have to address safety, like just signing 
ha ha Clinton Dix is just not enough, you know, and just when you just see how Xavier Woods is only signed for one more year, you know, same thing with Jordan Lewis and Cheeto. It's just like they need help in that back end. So whether it's in the first round, second round, third round, whatever, like they need to come out of this draft. I feel like with at least two or three defensive backs. I was thinking about how they brought back Darian Thompson and obviously he gives you some special teams value, but you know, between Xavier Woods, ha ha Clinton Dix, Darian Thompson. And then remember last year's, you know, kind of preseason darling Donovan Wilson. And I just can't shake the fact – I just would not be surprised if they ignored safety altogether. Uh, but Burgess at pick 82 in the third round would be excellent. That would be excellent value. So um, for me, guys, third round, I just can't shake the feeling that they're going to pull the trigger on a linebacker. I'm going with Logan Wilson, linebacker from Wyoming. Three straight 100 tackle seasons. Um, he's 6'2", 240. You know, my notes on him are that here's the thing. This guy is going to be able to go play in the NFL because all he does is tackle. Maybe not the best coverage guy in the world. Maybe not the most athletic guy in the world. But more than anything, he is just going to do a good job of being smart, playing with instincts, you know, reading and reacting really well, and then getting the opposing ball carrier to the ground. I just I got this feeling that they're going linebacker and that, and I don't think it's going to be too early, but right there at 82, wouldn't be surprised if they went linebacker. Logan Wilson from Wyoming at 82. I don't know how he helps you immediately if everyone's healthy, but that's got I got this feeling in my gut. Linebacker will be a priority for this team, as it always seems to be. Look, I yeah, don't, I don't d- think Dayton. that you know. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just don't think that, like, you know, in my mock draft, I don't have them taking a linebacker. But KT, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys would take a linebacker. And you talk about, you know, if he can help in the immediate uh, immediate future or not. I think if if you take someone like him, I, I do think he can help in the immediate future because he he, he allows you more flexibility with uh, Jalen with Jalen Smith because. Yeah. Because then you can blitz Jalen more, which is you know really that, that's what he's best at, and, and he's not he's not great in coverage either, and things like that. That allows you to use Jalen Smith uh, to his strengths more, and allow you know Leighton Vander Esch, and and in your case, uh, Logan Wilson, right? That, that's who you said, and so yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so I think it allows you to use those two guys at linebacker, and you still have Sean Lee and Joe Thomas, and you know just have J- Jalen Smith blitz a little bit more so I do think that a, a player like that can have uh, an immediate impact in, in more of a collateral type type way if that makes sense just for exercise purposes I had safety Ashton Davis from California on the board in that regard and that's kind of where I think they would do mm-hmm. and they're just gonna have to again they're just gonna have to prove me otherwise that they're gonna take a safety you know it's been since JJ Wilcox I think was the last top 100 safety they've taken so um, that's where I'm at. So we're three rounds in. Let's go back to John. John, Jerry, Judy, Trevon Diggs, and then uh, Jonathan Grenard, the edge rusher from Florida. Who is your fourth round selection for the Cowboys? Well, so I already took Diggs, and I know some people will be like, well, you've addressed corner. You can move on to other positions. But I still am interested in adding another corner if it's the best player available. And with what I had to deal with at this point, the two best players I thought were out there were uh, that Michael o- O.J. OJ Modia from Mm -hmm. Iowa. It was him and Reggie Robinson. And probably three days ago, I would have went OJ Modia. But after talking to Dane for a while uh, over the weekend, uh, he's just super high on Reggie Robinson and just basically how, you know, he's a guy that kind of got forgotten about, dealt with an injury his junior year, and then just really started coming on 
during his senior year, um, Tulsa guy, like it, it just a guy that you're, you, you could see how maybe people on the outside could sleep on, but he's got good size and he's a guy that had, that Dane had going at least 20 picks higher than this in his draft or his mock draft. So, um, between those two, I think it's close, but I just felt like, hey, if there's another really good corner at this point that could potentially be a starter for me in the future, not like, I, again, going back to what I said, Jordan Lewis, only one year left on his deal. Xavier Woods, uh, sorry, not Xavier Woods, Jadobia Wuze, only one year left on his deal. And you do get that deal done with Anthony Brown, but you still, you can never have enough corners. And so it was just too good of a value there. Uh, in regards to a linebacker, so I don't have them drafting a linebacker at, at any point in this draft. Now, I can see them drafting one, but I don't know why, but in the last week, there's just been all this hype about the, the Cowboys being interested in, in taking a linebacker. And maybe, you know, maybe there is, there's something behind that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, but I'll believe it when I see it. Because while, even if they move all the way in on a three, four, and you need two inside linebackers, like you still got Sean Lee, you still got Joe Thomas, you got Luke Gifford, like you can draft another guy in the later rounds. Like, I don't think that you have to necessarily get, a guy in the first three rounds to play alongside Leighton Vanderesh if you move Jalen out to Sam. So I don't know. I, I'll be surprised if the, if the Cowboys take a linebacker in the, in the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I think I would in the first two rounds too. Uh, surprised, I guess. Yeah, surprised would be the word. I'm fine with that. I, I want to say Reggie Robinson, and I have the, the receipts to prove it at KT Fun Tweets on Twitter. You've uh, selected one of my meow meow pet cats in this draft, Reggie Robinson, one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, it's a damn shame if he lasts till day three because he is a better player than that. I actually have him. And you can hold on to your butts here, guys. I have him graded higher than Christian Fulton, the LSU cornerback. Uh, I have a second round grade on Reggie Robinson. I am in love with that player. Had a good senior bowl week. Uh, you're kind of drafting the KT Dream Team over here, John. I'm going to be honest with you. Through four picks, feeling very good about what you're doing. Now, I do want to see what Sod is up to. After Chason Diggs and Terrell Burgess, he's added a corner, a safety, and an edge player. What do you got for me in round four, Sod? Well, I'll finally take my wide receiver here, Devin Duvernay out of Texas. I think, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, th- this is – this is about the spot in the third or fourth round is is right about the spot where I think they should address a wide receiver. It's one where um, you've addressed your other need, you've addressed enough other needs before that, and you're also not completely out of wide receiver talent yet. Um, and so I think it's like the perfect gold spot, the third or fourth round. And so um, I and, and you look Duvernay is a guy who, despite playing with Colin Johnson and, and guys at Texas, he was able to have he was able to. Have you know have his own production and 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 do really well there so i think he's someone that doesn't need uh doesn't need to be like you know just isolated on his own island in order to in order to be productive so i think he fits in well with this offense that's already loaded with talent and uh, and gives them a good option and i think if if they do get duvernay i think he's i think he's the de facto number three receiver automatically he's a dog too i think you add that and i think I could use a little attitude added to that wide receiver room, and that's not a shot at all at Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. But you're adding a guy who, okay, it's third and four, and Amari uh, Cooper's getting double teamed, and I need a guy to really get open. I mean, throw it in Duvernay's range, and just he'll, if you put it on him, he'll come up with a tough catch. He's a tough player, man. Um, you know, a little limited, I think, on those outward breaking routes. He's not Cole Beasley, you know, when you think of that slot wide receiver, but he'll get open. 
and he'll do his job and he will catch the football and he will leverage defenders and he will help out Dak in general. I love that range right there. Duverday in the fourth round. That's a lot of fun. Let's go to Kent Garrison. Kent Garrison, Trevon Diggs, LaVisca Chenault, and then uh, Jonathan Grenard. Who do you have for the fourth round, Kent? Yeah, um, you talked about the safety position. I have a safety here. I think this is about right where they would maybe start looking for one. Uh, pick 123. And best guy on the board was Brandon Jones, the safety from Texas. Dane's got a third round grade on him, maybe a maybe an early fourth. Um, rangy, tough, flies around, um, lacks some ball skills, but um, he's experienced on special teams and he's a very athletic guy. So maybe you draft him a little bit more for measurables. They've never really had those ball hawk safeties, and um, yeah, like what he like what Dane said about him, and like the value for the position there. And so you know, once I get to the fourth round here, fifth round, I'm. I'm I'm almost, you know, drafting for skill sets and he has an ideal skill set and at a position of need for the Cowboys at safety. So, uh Brandon Jones is my pick uh right there at 123, safety from Texas. I think that's a pretty good spot for him, kind of in that range right there, fourth round. Um no, I I think you kind of knocked what he's about too. I, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Uh round 4 for me guys is going to be a lot of options on the board. Duvernay on the board, James Prochet, the wide receiver from SMU on the board, a couple of intriguing interior offensive linemen on the board, Nick Harris from Washington, Shane LaVue from Oregon if they wanted to go that way, James Lynch, the DT from Baylor on the board. But I'm going with McTelvin Ajim, the defensive tackle from Arkansas. Um, the Jones is going to get to draft someone from their alma mater. To me, he is a Malik Collins type replacement. First guy off the line of scrimmage, good snap anticipation, good press, uh, you know, pressing the pocket, pushing the pocket uh, from the interior. Could play the three, could play a little bit of one if you needed him to uh, at the DT position. And also, uh, you know, I, I do worry about him anchoring down as a run player, but I think if you need some of that interior defensive line pressure, McTelvin James, good spot right there for him, fourth round. That is my uh, selection. Now we, I know we've talked about him a little bit in the past, so that's good. Um, two fifth-round picks. Let's do these together, guys, just to go ahead and uh, get things moving. Two picks in the fifth round. Who do you have, Kent? Uh, I'm sorry, John. So my first one, it, it really came down to two players, and I ended up getting them both. Um, so the first one I ended up taking was Harrison Bryant, uh, the tight end wow. out of FAU, who's uh, the John Mackey winner last year in college as the college football's top tight end. I just – too great of a value to still be there and i will say i think depending on which mock draft simulator you go to there's just certain guys that seem to be falling farther in them than they probably will in real life and this is a great example i don't see any way that he's still there in the fifth for the cowboys obviously they address some with with tight end with given the new contract uh, to Blake Jarwin, Jason Witten leaves, but then you, you go and you sign Blake Bell. But none of that would stop me uh, from drafting a tight end at some point. And so that, to me, uh, was a great value. And then it, that pick came down to it was either him or another Tulsa guy. So I'm loading up on Tulsa here. Travis Gibson, a, a kid from Cedar Hill, just yes. edge rusher, who you know got good size. Last year he had uh, 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks, just – uh, I could have went with either one of them with that first fifth round pick and for him to still be there with the second, uh, I was pretty happy about both those. 
No, that's a good good picture right there. I, I think the tight end class is going to be a little torn. He hasn't been mentioned yet on this podcast, but I think a name that we should keep in mind for the Cowboys because I know they like him is the UCLA tight end Devin Asiasi. But I think intel on him is all over the place. There are t- some teams that think he's the tight end, too. I personally have a fourth-round grade on him. But I think, you know, Harrison Bryant, maybe he falls. Because I think the tight end class is sketchy, man. Isn't that a I think the, I think the league's going to be torn on how they value the, the tight end class. Isn't that a Barry, Aussie Aussie? Aussie Aussie? What do you mean a Barry? Like the TV show Barry? No, like a Barry, like a Blueberries. That's a joke. I'm sorry. Oh, is it, oh that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Kai Berry, right? I thought it was Acai. I don't know. A-C-A-I? Akai? I've heard it said both ways. I thought it was Akai. It went right over I'm sorry. I'll stop now. No, dude. I love a good Akai berry bowl right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. A little pink berry. Let's go. I thought you were talking about that. This show, Berry. Berry with an A. Yeah, great show. I'm glad that was top of mind, KT. Yeah, they pushed back season three kind of because of everything. Hey, Dennis Rodman, rein this thing back in. (laughs) Sod, you have. No, Dennis Rodman's going to get weirder. Here's Madonna. Um, (laughs) Carmen Electra. Happy birthday, Carmen Electra, by the way. Um, Two fifth-round picks for Sod Yusuf. I'd like to hear what they are, Sod. Yeah, so the first one, and and John will be very familiar with this guy because I've taken him in, I think, half or uh, more than half the mock drafts we've done and and KT this is the first time I think I, I have a chance to talk to you about him and feel free to just absolutely burst my bubble and, and tell me he's awful and, and I'm stupid for liking him <laughs> but um, there, there's two depth guys that when you when you get out of those top like I don't know like 25 picks that that I really like and one I, I mentioned earlier Michael Pittman Jr. I think he'll be good wherever he goes this guy is my defensive guy I Every time I get around this draft period uh, or point on my draft board, I get him as Julian Blackman, the safety out of Utah. Um, I, I really like his versatility. I like what he brings. He had that. He had the knee injury, I think it was, uh, in late December, and so I think he's been falling because of that. But um, I remember watching quite a bit of him in college while he was playing, and you know he played corner for I think the first three years of his career, then switched to safety and became an All Conference safety. Um, and and so I, I really like Julian Blackman uh, for my first pick there, and then. Um, the second guy that I took was the safety out of uh, Clemson, Tanner Muse. Um, and and he's a guy that I think, you know, can become a core special teams player, um, can maybe fill in at safety every now and then. Um, but, you know, he, he's able to play down in the box. He's able to uh, fill in some voids there. But um, really with Tanner Muse, I'm looking to hit for him to become more of a core special teams player. But. Give me, give me what you have on Julian Blackman if you have anything. No, absolutely, do. And I think what you have here is a pure free safety guy. He's a rangy type. Tanner Muse, on the other hand, pure strong safety type. In fact, some teams may want to say he's kind of a linebacker. I think you nailed him, pure special teamer. With Blackman, nine interceptions in three seasons at Utah. Um, has experience, as you mentioned, playing cornerback, but I, I just don't think you can play in there. I think you want to keep him as far away from the ball as possible. When it comes to tackling, Getting in the mix as a run player, he does not want to do that. But the range, good size, free safety type, a developmental free safety type, a- excellent, man. Because you, know, you, you could sit there and be going, I don't know if I'm going to keep Xavier Woods. I don't know if I'm going to send Xavier Woods to a contract. I don't know how that's going to go down. So Julian Blackman, an ideal name right there late in, uh, in, in round five. 
And I think you're right, man. I think injuries out of the way, you know, maybe he does go fourth round, you know, things like that, third round. But that, that Utah secondary, that Utah team's got tons of defensive players. Yep. So I like what you did there with Blackman and with Muse that's got to help out the safety position. Kent. Yes. You took a safety with Brandon Jones in the fourth round. Who are your two fifth-round picks? So I'm looking at value for the pick here. Talked a little bit about linebacker. I do think they draft a linebacker just because there's question marks there. Um, you know, Sean Lee's injury history and future with the team is – Kind of up in the air, and then you you don't really know about uh, Leighton Vander Esch being a full go until yeah. he is a full go. So, man, this just stuck out in the fifth round. Um, Dane had this guy as a third round grade, and to get him at one sixty four seemed like a really good um, value for the pick. So I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Maybe you do KT. It's Justin Stranad from Wake Forest linebacker. I, I think it's Sternad. Sternad. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Sternad, and that's a that's a good spot for him. Absolutely. Yeah, he had, um, he had him as a three and uh, says, you know, pro special teamer who can push to be a starter, fluid mover, smooth change of direction, a high energy player. And his coach at Wake Forest said, you want 110 guys on your team just like this. And um, so very highly thought of in the Wake Forest system and leadership type of guy. And, you know, you lost guys like um, you know, Kayvon Frazier and some of those those bigger special teams guys so you, you need guys that can go in there and be leaders on special teams and and you like a skill set of linebacker too yeah and we've seen them as you mentioned i mean even hitchens when he was taken was mm-hmm. fourth round but seen as kind of a special teams pick christian covington when they took him you know kind of was, I, I just can't shake i'm with you on that i think they're going linebacker at some point uh that's a good player right there justin sternat my other one I, is um is an interior defensive lineman uh, he's a fifth round grade for Dane uh, from Ole Miss, Benito Jones at pick 179. He says, uh, swims past blockers. He's disruptive. He's violent. He holds his own against the run. He's a key rotational piece in most defenses, upbeat energy, and had 10 and a half sacks at Ole Miss. So you're looking for maybe a rotational guy and maybe a guy you can develop and more of an Antoine, kind of an Antoine Woods kind of guy who. Um, you know, might not fit right away, but after some time could eventually be a starter for you. So, you know, I don't anticipate a lot of rotation anymore on this defensive line. I think I think you're going to see McCoy and you're going to see Dontari Poe a lot in this defense. But at the same time, it's nice to have pieces like that that can go in there and rotate in and out for you. So Benito Jones at pick 179. Yeah, and that's your big body guy that we've yeah. been trying to get them to pick for years. Like, hey, wait, wait, wait on day three. You can get you a big guy, just a, a space clogger, you know? And uh, so that's what Benito Jones is, absolutely. My two fifth-round picks, it's a wide receiver first. We go back to Boise State, the tree of trust for the Cowboys, John Hightower. Uh, fast, he's got a, he's had some production, you know, questions at Boise State, but a fast guy, a toy for the offense, could take over the uh, – immediately take over returnability and also kind of takes over the Tavon Austin role. Um, that's kind of what John Hightower does. And I realized that I didn't add a wide receiver before that. So I think that's – I'm not asking him to go be my day one slot wide receiver, but I think he's got the talent to maybe develop into something there. Jet sweeps. We're going to – he's better than Lucky Whitehead, guys. He's not that. You know, like he's he's a more complete wide receiver than that. Maybe even I, you could argue has the, the upside to be a better – develop into a better wide receiver than Tavon Austin does from a – you know, just kind of getting in and out of breaks type type guy. So, John Hightower, and then uh, my other fifth round pick there, John Reed, cornerback from Penn State. He's a tiny guy. Uh, he's a little bit shorter, 
at 5'11", but he is a put him in the slot, let him cover. He's actually 5'10". Um, put him in the slot, let him cover. He is one of the best man cover corners in that short area that you can find. Um, you know, I, I don't know how, how they're going to feel about – Yeah, I don't know how Mike Nolan is in terms of measurables. Does he want the long corner? Does that even matter anymore? For years with McClay and then Chris Richard, it felt like, oh, yeah, the – the lengthy guy matters. I don't know if that does anymore. Um, but that's a good player I think you should all watch for. Round five, probably good range for him. I think teams might be scared of him because he is, again, he's a tiny guy. But uh, feisty competitor, seven interceptions in four years at uh, Penn State. And a uh, good little player right there. So John Reed is my fifth-round pick. We now go to the seventh round. John Mishota closes down. Yeah, it's a good point, though, you made about the corner size, because I've been wondering about that as well. I will say yeah. when you look at it seems like and, and I know you've said these corners a lot more than I have, but it seems like all the guys that are going higher in the draft. I feel like you can almost like match up like, well, they're going to have to be six foot or taller. They're going to have to run, you know, four, four five or lower 40s. Like there's certain like measurables there. But later in the draft, I mean, if you got a guy that was productive in college that maybe is only, you know, 5'10", 5'11", like maybe you get a steal there. I mean, you know, Jordan Lewis is always size has always been an issue for him. But on all levels, it seems like he produces when he's on the field. And so maybe maybe you do get later in the draft a bargain on somebody like that, because let's be honest, it's not like it's just the Cowboys that draft that way at corner. That's why those guys go high like that, because all the teams like those, because. Let's be honest, the wide receiver position's gotten bigger, and so that's why you want a bigger guy to be able to match up against these really athletic, tall wide receivers, really athletic, tall tight ends. And so, yeah, that, that could make a lot of sense for a bargain like that, you know, in, in one of the later rounds. Um, so I went with a safety here, and not just because it, it filled a need that I haven't filled up into this point, but it just the best players that were available for me, at least when it was winding down, it was Josh Metellus from Michigan, and he ended up going one pick before I did, which I was fine with because it came down to him or Jordan Fuller. And so I took Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State, a little bit better size than Metellus. Metellus had a little bit better stats. Um, But, you know, at that point in the seventh round to get a safety, I felt like I filled uh, a need. And and knowing how the Cowboys are with safety uh, wouldn't surprise me as bad as they need one and and they they need help and they need youth at the position. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't address it until the later rounds. So that kind of made some sense. But when I look at my draft as a whole, I'm kind of sitting there like, well, I didn't get a D tackle. I really wanted to get one of those. I really wouldn't mind getting an offensive lineman at some point. And then linebacker, as I mentioned, I, while I'll be surprised in round one or two, you know, I find it, I find it, pretty likely they're going to take a linebacker at some point in the later rounds just because of the fact of if you're trying to improve this special teams and also kind of transition in this new defense you know once they get into that those two fifth round picks that seventh round pick I, I just really believe that John Fossil is going to have a lot of say in these picks because yeah. he's a guy that you know he's going to be working with these guys um, I, I will say also that Greg Zerline was in a he did a radio interview down here it was about a month ago and he talked about how obviously working with John Fossil for a long time with those special teams units with the Rams, that he's known for getting guys that are undrafted rookie free agents and being able to turn them into quality special teams player. So that's that's something to keep an eye on, too, as the draft winds down. And, you know, once you get into that, you know, fifth, sixth round, they're going to be making calls for guys that they know aren't going to get drafted. Potentially, maybe that's where you, you know, improve that special teams, too. But like, as we all know, that special teams just has to get a lot better than it was last year. Absolutely. And Jordan Fuller, 6'2". We know Will McClay likes drafting those big schools at Ohio State, you know. 
And then, you know, he, his his question speed. He ran four six seven forty, and you see it on tape. You know, the range not exactly there, but special teams guy, good kid, smart player. And, you know, more than anything, there's your a guy who can uh, go play special teams for you. Uh, Saad Youssef, seventh round. Who do you got? Yeah, I really wanted uh, kind of like John, I really wanted to address the defensive tackle position. Didn't Wasn't able to do that throughout my draft. Took an edge rusher in the first round with Chase on, but didn't really, wasn't really able to get back to that. I think one thing that I realized that, you know, I, I'm I'm a lot more best player available than even I thought I was, um, and throughout the draft because there were guys that I wanted, but I just can't reach on positions when you know if I think that someone is just a better football player, and so. Um, you know, staying with that theme, would have liked to get an edge rusher here just to have another body. But AJ Green, the cornerback out of Oklahoma State, was someone that you know I've watched throughout college. It's someone that that you know I feel has some tools there that you can mold in some ways. And at the end of the day, uh, the contract situations for a lot of these guys coming up, whether it's Jordan Lewis, Cheeto, Wuzier, Xavier Woods, all these guys, uh, kind of makes you feel like you're going to be hurting for numbers at some point later in the future. Future. And so um, throwing AJ Green there, maybe he ends up on the practice squad because, you know, they also lost some practice squad guys that, that played um, in the defensive backfield. So um, AJ Green, seventh round. Yeah, no, I think that's a good spot for AJ Green, too. I have him, again, my rankings here, cornerback. Yeah, he, I have him down in the sixth round. So you're taking him in the seventh round. Um, and again, they're going to have to start remaking these contracts. Uh, with the secondary, and that's kind of what drafting people does, you know. Um, so AJ Green there for Saad Yusuf, and I think it's a pretty good spot. If you're getting AJ Green in the seventh round, you should be okay with that. Let's go to, you know, the other the other NFL named player who is a cornerback is Lamar Jackson from Nebraska as well. Wouldn't be have a problem with them drafting AJ Green yep. or Lamar Jackson. Um, Kent seventh round, who do you got? Yeah, uh, again, I'm I'm drafting for skill sets here. I'm drafting. You know, maybe like what Saad said, I'm going best player available in the seventh round. You take a flyer on a guy. This guy stuck out like a sore thumb in the seventh round. Dane's got a third round grade on him. He's a wide receiver. I know I already took one, but you never know who you could be drafting a wide receiver. Maybe it's Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown is a good comparison because his name is Antonio. It's Antonio Gandy Golden, the wide receiver from Liberty. Smaller schooler guy, six foot four. Tall guy, rangy, exceptional body control and coordination, adjusts to poor throws. Um, former gymnast, number one in history, number one in school history when it comes to uh, scoring touchdowns, but lacks polish at the position. needs to needs to work on his route tree a little bit better. But uh, man, you you look at a third round graded guy, they're available in the seventh round. It's hard to say no to that. And a red zone threat, ten touchdowns in each of the last three years. Yeah. Uh, never had a game last year with fewer than four catches. Um, his career average is five catches for 85 yards. Now, I understand that's at Liberty, so you're going to go, who'd they play? Well, there's not a lot of great opponents, although they did take on Syracuse. I don't know if that uh, is a big opponent or whatever. You know, I think my big question for him is it doesn't always feel like he has a plan, and that's what could drop him a little bit. He ran kind of slow at the combine, but, you know, I don't – he's not a speed guy. He's the big 6'4 guy. Um, and I, I think to me, though, I think he, he does a pretty good job of, once he gets going, stopping really quickly. I think he's a back shoulder threat, 50 50 ball guy, can go up and win over the top. There's a lot of things to like about Antonio Gandy Golden. So, yeah, it's unlikely he'll be there in the seventh, but if he is, pull the trigger. 
Got to do it. Got yeah, T.O. went to Tennessee Chattanooga, you know. But, again, you're talking about <laughs> skill sets there, you know. And, um, yeah, man, it's that, that one was like a diamond in the rough there in the seventh round. So I'll take it. My seventh round pick sounds like a guy who might have like a country music song. Um, it's interior offensive lineman Daryl Williams of Mississippi State. And I, I just – don't and I have no no clue if they like him or not. I, I just you know picked a guy right there in the seventh. I I think the conversation that's more intriguing rather than talking about a seventh round player is what does this team do if Caesar Ruiz or Lloyd Cushenberry, you know of of LSU those centers are there at fifty one or let's say you let's let's just replay twenty thirteen. Let's say they trade with the 49ers. they give up pick seventeen. And they go down to 31. And Cesar Ruiz is there. And that's their number one ranked center. You know, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had probably really quickly. It's not That's not selling think, a lot of jerseys, though. It's sure not. But neither was Zach Martin, right? And neither was Travis, I guess is what I would say. Um, my my only think, thing on that is <laughs> the same thing that I always complain about, like, how many first-round picks do you need on your offensive line for it to be good? I mean, at some point, it seems like, and this is crazy, everybody buckle up, but it seems like there's teams that, I don't know, win Super Bowls that don't need to have five first-round picks in their offensive line. Like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me, though, KT, because even though it's a new coaching staff, that team values that offensive line and obviously values keeping Dak Prescott upright and healthy. I mean, one of his greatest traits is he hasn't missed a game having a great offensive line helps with that. And then, you know, your biggest investments in Zeke and, and Amari Cooper, it makes sense to build it up, but it just, I don't know, man, like I'd just pass the whole offensive line. Everyone first round, like, I mean, can, can you yeah. get some starters in the second and third round? Does it have to be a first round pick? hundred percent fair. Well, you have any thoughts on that side? No, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I, I just, you know, we've seen, we've seen the way that they've, done it and and you know i i i just kind of go back to the fact that you know you have to you have to kind of address your needs as they as they come and and try to get the starters in the first three or four rounds and then just get your project types later on that you can try to mold into something that you feel um fits fits your roster but the first three three or four rounds just have to be starter types yeah no and i think that's kind of that's the hope you know, especially in the middle, it's not like you're picking late in the round, <laughs> like last year either, too. You know, like kind of there in the middle, you need to hit on these guys. So, uh, to rehash, John Machota's draft: Jerry Judy of Alabama, Trevon Diggs of Alabama, Jonathan Grenard of Florida, Reggie Robinson, Harrison Bryant, Trevon Gibson of Tulsa, and then uh, Jordan Fuller of Ohio State, the safety. Sothead, Chase on from LSU, Trevon Diggs, Terrell Burgess, the safety of Utah. Uh, Devin Duvernay in round four, two fifth-round picks of Julian Blackman and Tanner Muse, both safeties, and then A.J. Green, the corner from Oklahoma State. For Kent, Trevon Diggs in round one, which I think is a name is very likely that we need to keep keep our eyes on it there as well. Um, LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver of Colorado. Jonathan Grenard, Florida. Brandon Jones, the safety from Texas. Justin Sternad from Wake Forest. Benito Jones from Ole Miss. And then Antonio Gandy-Golden in the seventh. And then for me, I had A.J. Terrell. Curtis Weaver, uh, the edge. Logan Wilson, the linebacker from Wyoming. McTelvin Ajean, the DT. John Hightower, the wide receiver. John Reed, the cornerback from Penn State. And then seventh round, Daryl Williams, a uh, guard center from 
Mississippi. I State. give uh, I give John Mishota best draft, but I give KT most likely draft probably. I agree with that. I definitely agree with you on John with the best draft there. Um, although I do like what Sod's done as well. I mean, I think I think we all have something to write home about. To be honest, um, I had a, I had just, another draft that I had KT. Would you rather have this in the top in the top three? I had uh, Gladney as the first pick, and then Michael Pittman, and then Cole Komet as my top three. Well, I like that. I think I'd still I need defensive line help. Yeah. that's the thing that would make me nervous. But, you know, that's the thing that I don't know how they feel. Like, I have got a pretty good feeling that I know how they feel about Fulton. I know how they feel about Diggs, and I know how they feel about A.J. Terrell. I don't have any idea whatsoever how they feel about Jeff Gladney from TCU. He's a little bit What's shorter. What's he a 30-visit you know? guy? Um, you know, the the Cowboys got screwed on Dallas Day, man. Oh, yeah. Because they were going to have so many good players at their mm-hmm. disposal. Um, I don't know on Gladney. I don't have a, uh, a, a on record uh, of. I, th- I believe they had a video conference with him. Um, but I just don't know in terms. I think of, it comes down to Gladney, Diggs, or Terrell. One of those three. I feel like I'm most likely is going to be the pick if if Chazon's not there. Of course. Yeah. But. I also just want to piggyback and say I really do think that that. KT has the most likely draft that like that's mm-hmm. the one that I think is is the least um, I guess cl- like your head in the cloud type draft where you hope that that happens and I love John's draft but I, I just can't see that one actually coming to fruition but I can see KT's draft being more so one that you know kind of of that as far as the positions go and what kind of areas they address and when they do I think that's the one that's kind of most likely. I, can we all agree that I don't? I don't think we'll see them get to Saturday without addressing cornerback and edge. Absolutely. Did you say quarterback? A uh, corner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Are you going to do the two it thing now? Let's do the two it. No. Um, I, hey, I do hey, know real that quick. Like, hold, Aussie, on, hold, on, hold on, KT. What? If, what if they took Caesar Ruiz at 17? They didn't even trade back. That was just their pick. Oh. How's that going to go over? Okay, I think y'all are going to have – most people will be irrational and mad. <laughs> I think there's going to be a 5% that are going to be like, benefit of the doubt, man. It worked with Travis. Yeah. <laughs> but then that would make Cesar Ruiz's expectations through the roof from the beginning. Uh, like, oh, you better be as good as Zach Martin, Cesar Ruiz. And Cesar's like, wait, I don't deserve this. I, I, I'll just go in the second round. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be as good as Zach Martin. Keep an eye on Aussie Aussie. I don't think they're going to mess around at tight end, but man, I they had a, a thirty visit with him, the video conference with him, a thirty visit was scheduled with him, you know, and the video conference. I think that's an interesting name who could go earlier than people think. Just that's the thing. I, I want to know how they feel about Gladney because I think he's the name in the mix there. If Chase on is gone, he's that he joins the Diggs Fulton and, and AJ Terrell club. You know, I guess if we're having fun, we should put Utah Jalen Johnson in there as well. But I don't know how they feel about Gladney. And Gladney's size is, is you know, not there, but the ball skills are. And the Mike Nolan comments on guys being able to get turnovers. There are some guys who just can do that and who can't. You know, you're like Gladney, he only had five interceptions in three years, but two back-to-back seasons of 15-plus, you know, passes defensed. 
And he's 5'10", 191, but I think he's got some dog in him. He's a willing tackler. He's a physical player. You watch the tape against Baylor's Denzel Mims, and you'll go, whoa, okay. He gave Denzel Mims all he wanted. Uh, so Gladney's a guy for me. I mean, look, I, I like Gladney more than C.J. Henderson, and I know I'm in the minority there. You know, there was an interesting thing, and I, John, I, we'll get out of here soon, guys. I'm sorry. But I know, John, you um, uh, with Detroit at three, I know you're from Detroit, so I'm sure you still get some info about that. I'm sure you have friends and family members who follow the Lions. You know, if the Lions ended up getting out of there at three or not taking Okuda, I'm interested interested to see what happens to Okuda, Henderson, and however, you know, the league has the cornerbacks ranked. Because what if Okuda falls to nine? And I know that sounds insane, but if he gets past Detroit and New York, there may not be another spot for him till Jacksonville. So if Okuda falls, that that would one would think that would push C.J. Henderson back, and maybe that makes him likely. But the, I, the I only, just don't know. The only reason why I don't see that happening is because I, everybody I know that covers the Lions say that they love him, and I think he would be the pick if they stay at three, or let's say they move back to five or six, or maybe they get that Jags deal where they get both their first round picks. I think it's like nine and twenty something like that, which is yeah. crazy how it matches up literally perfect on the trade chart. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, the Byron Jones deal it just is just another example to me of just the value of a good corner in the NFL nowadays is just skyrocketed, and so even if it's not the Lions. Even if it isn't a team that you think would in that top 10, I think somebody comes up there. I'd be really, really surprised if Jeffrey Okuda makes it past six. Yeah, I would too. I would too. I was just trying to find a scenarios to push Henderson down the board a little bit because if it's Chase on and Henderson that they want, it's way less likely for Henderson, I think, than Chase on, but just kind of looking for ways to kind of. Make a little noise. That is one so scenario has- that really interests me. It's like, what if you do have Henderson and Chase on the board? I don't I, like. I I don't. I I think I would still personally go Chase on, but um, but I I don't know. Like I, I don't know which way the Cowboys would choose to go if if that was the case. I think, man, that is. I I think they would go Henderson, but you know the way they let's go with this. Them- I don't think they would. Why do you think they go Henderson? Because they have him graded higher. Okay, I should I should rephrase this. I would go Henderson because I have Henderson graded higher. They probably would go Edge because that they've shown their philosophy in team building. His team is build it front to back, right? Oh, absolutely. No, that's exactly what the way I feel about. It. That's why I just wanted to gauge your interest on it because I think they take Chase on if it's there and feel like I don't know, just like they just. Since that Brandon Carr deal, like it just doesn't seem like they're willing to spend the big money uh, on a corner or a safety. And obviously, you can say, "Oh, well, yeah, you know, they drafted By- Byron Jones." Okay, oh yeah, they did, but they were never going to pay him anything close to what he got. Like, I just feel like they want good corners to get the job done, but I think they want the chance of getting the great pass rusher if they can get it, or even or, or, or even a good pass rusher if it's let's say it's it's even. I, even with a new coaching staff, I feel like they would they value that the pressure up front, that edge, and just the idea of putting that guy on the other side of Demarcus Lawrence, and then whatever you you end up doing with McCoy and Poe, and then uh, you know, like I said, it's just icing on the cake if you get anything out of Randy Gregory or Alden Smith. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I believe that they think the pressure up front will cause more problems uh, than 
maybe a great player on the back end. And, and in a way, we did see that last year in the second round when they went D-tackle instead of safety. And everybody from Will McClay to Rod Marinelli to Chris Richard talked about how getting the pressure on the quarterback you know, forces them to make more mistakes to where you can probably get the job done with just maybe a little bit lesser corners and safeties on the back end. Whether that's right or wrong, that's fine. But I feel like that's what they believe. Also, the track record with Mike Nolan will show you that they will do more things to get pressure. You know, you can sit there and hope for pressure and talk about getting pressure. This team will actively blitz more. The Cowboys will not be near the last in the league in blitzing like they were throughout the Marinelli years and the Monty Kiffin years and the Marinelli years and Chris Richard. Like, they will be actively near the middle of the league in blitzing, I would imagine. Uh, I just think that's the, the new style of defense. They're going to be a little more aggressive. And I think being a little more aggressive, you know, calls for you to cover a little better. But I think they will do some things to actively help get pressure too. But hard to know. Are you guys excited? I'm ready to get this thing going personally. I can't wait. Well, man, you guys did a great job. Good mock draft action right there. Seven rounds. We'll obviously be with you later on the week when we have uh, reaction from uh, the Cowboys draft. Um, as the draft is Thursday night, make sure that you uh, are subscribed to The Athletic. If you're not, it is theathletic.com. Uh, and make sure that you uh, get Dane Brugler's The Beast uh, draft guide. It's incredible, and it's must-read content uh, the week of the draft. Kent, anything else I need to house clean on or promote uh, or anything? You know, we'll, we'll probably be back Friday morning, I would guess, to uh-huh. to recap the first-round pick, talk about that a little bit, and then we'll be back either Sunday or Monday for a full draft recap, all the picks, and we'll go long form on that one. So look for two more episodes this week uh, covering the draft before uh, we wrap it up. Excellent, excellent. Can't wait for that. Uh, for Father John Mashoda. For Saad Youssef, for our producer, the great Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll talk to you Friday morning to see if the Cowboys got their pick right at 17 on About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.